back by no one's demand but our own and from our home office here in beautiful Nashville, Tennessee. It is the 615 Sessions podcast brought to you as always by Tennessee Tickets, tennesseetickets.com. No hidden fees and A to Z Sports Nashville, A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Buck Rising here with you. Technical difficulties today on the show prevented this from being as great a show as it could have been. I botched the Skype call with Brett Kern. The recording didn't take. I'm not sure what I did wrong. These are the troubled times that we live in. So, Brett, I I deeply apologize for botching that. We had a great discussion about his good friend, Jarrell Casey. All of those things lost to the internet. But we will re-record that at some point. Meanwhile, we're going to talk about the NFL draft. It's still ongoing. We spoke to John Robinson and Mike Vrabel yesterday. We'll play both of those press conferences here for you. John had some interesting things to say about a Derrick Henry extension, about Jeffrey Simmons when it comes to Vrabel and and Vrabel letting us know that Jeffrey Simmons is still at a point where he's one of the people eligible to be working out in the Titans facility. There's something that comes along with that having to do with his progress back from the injury, the ACL, that hindered his rookie year. All of these things, very interesting. They were very lengthy discussions with both John Robinson and Mike Vrabel. In the meantime, we have two interviews to play today for you that I did not botch. John Ledyard of Pewter Report, one of the founding fathers of the Draft Network. He's going to share some of his insights on all of the prospects that are coming up, some who have been mocked to the Titans. He's got some pretty strong opinions on Yitor Grossmatos, the edge rusher from Penn State, who a lot of you have been paying attention to, as well as Vic Beasley and what he may or may not give the Titans when it comes to pass rush. We'll talk to John Ledyard of Pewter Report, who's now covering the Bucks as well, so his offseason has been insane. We'll get some Tom Brady, Tampa Bay Tom insight from John Later on in the show. Then, John Cascarano and Jay Wilkison, our friends from Tame the Beast, who take care of us over on the Primetime Show. Tame the Beast is a grooming products company. And while it is one of our sponsors on A to Z Sports Primetime, they make soap. And this is an interesting time to be able to talk to them about the measures they're taking as a company to make sure that people have access to sanitation products like the ones that they provide. So we'll talk to John Ledyard, John Cascarano, and Jay Wilkison over the course of today's 615 Sessions podcast. Back here, 615 Sessions Podcast, A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Big fan of John Ledyard for a long time via digital interactions at Ledyard NFL Draft is where you can follow him. Of course, covering the Tampa Bay Bucks and the NFL Draft for the Pewter Report. Kind enough to give us some time in the midst of grinding tape and covering Tom Brady. The most interesting NFL offseason that there could possibly be. John Ledyard, I appreciate your time, brother. 
No, for sure, Buck. Thanks so much for having me, man. I appreciate it. So we we started talking about this before we officially got rolling, and I think that this is almost as interesting as the draft conversation we're about to have. What the hell has your offseason been like with Tom Brady <laughs> signing with the Bucs? Yeah, it's been absolutely crazy. I mean, not often has the NFL lands kind of shifted toward Tampa Bay, small market team, and you know people forget they they actually won a Super Bowl in the early 2000s, but you know that's barely even remembered. And so it is it's pretty fun because people you'll hear a lot now that Brady's there, and, and there's a focus on him. You'll hear a lot of people say, you know, I didn't didn't know there were Bucks fans and all you know kind of stuff like that, but. And they've been strong and they've been loyal through some really dark years and so in, in, in poor quarterback play or certainly less less quarterback play, less stellar quarterback play than they would have hoped for given the, the draft capital that's been spent on the position. And so this is kind of to have, you know, the greatest quarterback that ever played just kind of, you know, lining up for your team, even if he isn't what he once was, I think it's still pretty neat for Bucks fans. So it's been really fun. They've been really appreciative of it. And I think it's an exciting time. I, I mean, certainly, I'm I'm incredibly jealous because the Titans, Vrabel, who we just finished a press conference call with, this is the new normal, uh, I, essentially just trolling us all by FaceTiming Julian Edelman and Tom Brady and making us think, oh, maybe Tom Brady is going to be a Tennessee Titan. God, can you imagine what mm. that would do for, like, like very much like Tampa Bay, a small market team. Uh, that's not used to having that kind of attention. Now the Titans done a little bit more winning as of late than the Bucks, but my God, what a uh, what! How jealous I am of the circus that your life is about to become. Uh, yeah, it is crazy because you know I think for for the for the Bucks fans, one thing that's typically forgotten from people who don't follow the team, and like I said, the national lens is rarely on the Bucks, but the Bucks have actually never signed a quarterback that they've drafted to a second contract. It's never, and they remember they've drafted. Trent Dilfer, they've drafted Steve Young, they've drafted Doug Williams, you know, none of those guys. I mean, never, never to a second contract, Josh Freeman, obviously, uh, Jameis Winston. And so, you know, it's just kind of years of being frustrated. And then in a lot of cases, watching the guy that you thought couldn't do it for your team, go on to win with another team uh, for Bucks fans. So that is definitely going to make this there's still that contingency that wants Jameis. <laughs> oh, God, it's like the Mariota people, John. They, it's crazy. They No, it's the best, honestly, and I, I'm so much dumber for having fought these zealots in my mentions for so long. And listen, uh, and it all, it, you know, you start every conversation about Marcus Mariota with he's just, he's a swell guy, lovely human being, and also... Right. You know, I mean, come on, enough with it already. The Jameis thing, though, is spectacular because I, I want the LASIK thing to be an actual fix. I can't imagine <laughs> what world. It's, it's the sports content that I need when there is so precious little sports content. If Jameis Winston throws for like 70 touchdowns because he got his vision repaired, uh, I'll be the happiest person in the world. Well, it's funny because, I mean, what he he didn't see linebackers underneath all the time. I mean, that was kind of like <laughs> underneath coverage all the time. I don't know if he just didn't see anything or what exactly was going through his head, but uh, it, it will be interesting to see how that plays out. Although, I'd, first of all, just like to see him on, a, on another team. I don't know what's going on there and why he isn't on another team at this point. You know, that to me is going to be the big question with Jameis in terms of whether he ever sees the field again, or at least in the near future, is what team does he end up on? Because there's just not a lot of teams looking for a quarterback right now. 
Jacksonville Jameis. I need it in my life twice a year. Give it to me. Oh, Bortles uh, all over again. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, uh, my buddy Teron Davenport of ESPN calls Bortles the double agent, and that is exactly what Jameis is. Uh, but we have, we have draft questions from the audience. We are going to talk about some prospects that the Titans, because John is one of the best in the business when it comes to prospect evaluation and then keeping tabs on what these guys do when they get to the pros. He has some Vic Beasley opinions, which is one of the primary reasons that we're having John on, because he scared the holy hell out of all of you as soon as the <laughs> Titans agreed to terms with Vic Beasley. So let's let's start, though, with with big picture, John, because the draft is the only the only oasis in this sports just wasteland that the coronavirus has created. How have you felt, I guess on a larger view, how have you felt about everything in your life, for all intents and purposes, moving forward as normal with the NFL draft amidst all of these things? I don't know if you saw the Schefter clip from last night, but this mm-hmm. is this is some crazy stuff at this point. Yeah, I did see it. And I think he has a point, to be honest. You know, I think the NFL's really got to consider, you know, okay, we can do this thing and you can say you're going to do it safely, but you have to be realistic about it. And we're a month out and teams are going to be scrambling to get the things that they need in place to be able to do this draft well and, and keep, you know, their, do their jobs well. And it's a pivotal point in the careers for a lot of these people. And that is just going, there's no way that happens without putting people in more danger uh, and, and kind of disrupting some of the social distancing things that really should be happening right now everywhere. And so I just think there's a real danger to that. Selfishly, sure, I love the fact that the draft's still happening, you know, on time. And I think it should happen regardless. But to me, it's something that the smartest decision from my vantage point is to push it back. There's certainly information I can't see from my perspective, and, and I'll be the first to admit that. But I don't know how, and based on everything that's kind of being reported out there, I don't know how the NFL, they can just say, oh, yeah, we're going to do it. It'll be fine because it can be done remotely. And it can be, but it's still going to put a lot of coaches and GMs and, fr- and front offices and media and, and probably these prospects and players, you know, if they're able to gather with people or desiring to gather with people for these, for this the biggest day in their lives, you know, it's going to put those people in situations where they're going to have to make tough choices um, and in some cases tougher than others in the cases of front offices and such in order to make this thing work and to do their jobs well. And the result of that could be kind of counterproductive to what we've experienced the last couple couple of weeks with the social distancing. So I hope all that's being considered and the NFL is not just saying we're going to do it and then kind of turning their back on the specific team situations because there needs to be some intervention and some rules put in place to ensure that people are safe first and foremost. Yeah, I I could not agree more with you. And I guess the Schefter thing, the Schefter thing is just kind of jarring because that is the preeminent foremost NFL reporter. I think mm-hmm. at, at at in our particular time, uh, kind of lashing out that way about his frustrations and making a statement on it. And it, there's a much larger story to be played out as to what actually happens with the football season. But in, until then, we're going to pretend like there's football that's going to take place. We're going to pretend like everything is as normal as things can be. When you look at the quarterbacks in this draft, before we get to Titan-specific stuff, they re-signed Tannehill. That's not going to be a need for them immediately something that they probably look to do through free agency whenever that really resumes and they can look at a vet the quarterbacks mm-hmm. though burrow to at the top who who has the greater ceiling in your opinion given how both of those careers through college played out 
I think it's pretty easy to me. Burrow's the best right now, and he's the best, and he's the highest ceiling. I mean, he might be pretty close to that ceiling, you know, but I don't see, like, the significant upside with Tua. I like Tua. I think he's a good quarterback if he's healthy. Um, I think there's more limitations to his game than there is Burrow's. The biggest one being the ability to create outside of a first read or or, a, or simple or completion. Um, Burrow just has that ability in spades, and Tua has not really had to show that ability. In Alabama's offense, it wasn't really a need a lot of the time. Um, and when he did have chances to show it, it really wasn't his strength. I think it could become his strength as he becomes more accustomed to getting into some of those situations. He's you know plenty athletic and certainly able to make plays with his legs and, and throw off, off, uh, off platform. But I just think Burrow, I mean, when you I watch him, I just think so much of Pete, Tony, Romo. I mean, I know they wear the same number and they kind of look similar builds but i mean it the way they play it's uncanny to me like how the similarities and i said this going back to the college football season that the two just look so much alike uh and the ability to make plays off script is a big part of that comparison as well and that really is one of the things to me the ability to you know make those plays off script and to be able to make the on script plays ahead of what the defense is thinking so the ability to throw with anticipation into space and, and throw guys open with accuracy and Burrow is just the best college quarterback I've ever seen, you know, in my lifetime of doing this. Um, and I've ever seen it doing those things. And so to me, I just, it's not even a knock on two. I just think he's that special. And Cincinnati's getting really lucky to, to land him a one. Unless, as Armando Salguero reported yesterday, the Dolphins straight up and get, try and go get, I love, I love Miami. Just, I hope they exist the way that they do forever. They are a, a never ending comedy. But no, I love that comparison of Tony Romo. Uh, and that's not something that I've seen a ton of other places, but it makes so much sense. Another, uh, uh, when, when it comes to the quarterbacks, though, there seem to be a lot of conflicting opinions on Jalen Hurts based on what, whomever you're choosing to read at any given point, what people are seeing from his tape. The the inability, I think, that that I observe at least from a layman's perspective he holds on to the ball too much for my liking, and he kind of creates his own problems within the pocket. What, if, what I guess, is your evaluation of Jalen Hurts as a quarterback? Do you think that there's some kind of creativity that an NFL team can use him for outside of what we conventionally think is, as quarterback play? Yeah, to me, the biggest things for quarterback, and it goes kind of into what I was just talking about. I was talking about it more specifically with Burrow, but the biggest things to me quarterback are, you know, decision-making and mental processing. So how quickly can you make decisions, get the ball out of your hands, go through reads, understand coverage and leverage and things like that. And, and then what kind of decisions do you make with the football? Are you reckless? You know, um, do you make smart decisions consistently? Is your process sound? And then obviously accuracy on pace and kind of off platform as well. And so I just don't think it hurts does any of those things well. And so to me, it's just a big knock. I don't know that we'll see him be a really successful quarterback in the NFL because of those things. Now he's been given ample opportunity to do it. Um, and at two different places, uh, Oklahoma thinks we're certainly he's I, I would say he's definitely improved as a passer, but there is just not the ability to do these things on a high level. Um, and you need those that for the NFL, you know, and, and on top of that, we're not even talking about a guy with great physical tools. If he did continue to grow and mature as a, as a decision maker and in terms of his mental processing speed. So, yeah, like you said, holding the ball too long, making too many negative plays um, in those situations all the windows get way smaller in the NFL than the big 12. And so all those times that you saw him kind of 
be able to run around and do crazy things, that's not going to happen as easily in the league, especially when your arm is far from special. And so, yeah, he's a day three type of quarterback to me, a guy that you probably, I would think the Chargers, if they're going to really do this thing with Tyrod Taylor uh, and and try and change this offense and run it something like what Baltimore does, um, I would think that this is a situation that he's a player that they would be in the right situation in the draft, you know, they filled some other needs that they would be willing to take somewhat higher than other teams. But for the most part across the landscape in the NFL, I think there will be a lot of teams. The majority of teams in the NFL, in my opinion, probably won't be super interested in drafting him anywhere before around five or six. And even then some will have him off their board. My would be my guess. He's an interesting one to, to see how the whole process plays out. And, and for all of these guys, honestly, with the way that teams Team's ability to evaluate them through through the course of this whole thing uh, has truly been limited. Let's talk Titans specific, though, some needs that they will likely address with the draft. They had a wide receiver in Tajay Sharp, who as a fourth, uh, as a fourth option is fantastic, uh, reliable, I thought, on third downs, particularly in the red zone, with either quarterback, Tannehill or Mariota, when each of them was playing over the course of 2019. This is a draft that people continue to cite, um, has great strengths at wide, at wide receiver throughout each day of the process. If the Titans are looking for a day three wide receiver, somebody, uh, maybe it's not necessarily in the same mold as Tajay, maybe it's not a strider who, can, who has trustworthy hands but really can't separate, doesn't do much in the way of that, maybe it's an addition in terms of speed, which they still desperately need on this offense. Who's a name that jumps to your mind when I when I mention all of those traits? Yeah, two guys probably jump into my mind and not necessarily looking to copy Tajay, like you said, uh, but really just trying to complement the group that's there. You mentioned speed. I completely agree that, you know, to me, when I'm looking at the Titans receiving core, I'm like, man, I, they just need to add some type of vertical dimension. And obviously, A.J. Brown can be that guy, but you're going to be doing so many other things with him that, I mean, I don't think you want to just ask him to fill a role like that. And a vertical threat just opens things up for other people too. So uh, Devin Duvernay from Texas is a name that I think in that range of the draft is probably available, can play inside, and he ran really good slot for it, f- fades at Texas. I tested really well at the combine as well. Um, so I think he's definitely an option, a, kind of a stocky running back build, um, which is will remind people maybe of A.J. Brown. I think he's smaller than A.J. Brown though. Uh, for sure. But AJ, he's I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, John. AJ Brown is the biggest damn human being that plays wide receiver <laughs> I've ever seen. I've never seen DK Metcalf in person. I'm a, I saw right. them both at the Combine, but I swear to God, John, like it's in a locker room that also has Derrick Henry, who is not the yeah. same species as you and I. AJ Brown walks around the locker room. He's got the wingspan of a pterodactyl. This guy's insane. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think that with Duvernay, you're getting kind of a, like a, a shorter build, uh, but again, a stocky kind of thick build uh, with, with Duvernay that I think you can probably get him the ball underneath in the short areas as well and maybe manufacture some touches for him. So intriguing skill set there. John Hightower from Boise State is also small and really lean, uh, but he is more of a vertical downfield guy. He's got some ball skills, little inconsistent, but you're talking about day three of the draft, so you're getting what you're paying for here. Has great speed to go vertical and to win in that portion of the field. A little more one-dimensional maybe than Duvernay, but probably more of a clear trump guard in that area of the field too. So I think those are two guys that I would have 
kind of a consideration. Some people have said Hightower could sneak into the top 100, so he, he may not be there. If you're just looking for your pure slot, who's a little bit more like Tajay Sharp stylistically, you're probably talking about K.J. Hill from Ohio State uh, could be a name to, to keep an eye on because they are kind of the similar type in the way that they win um, and the ability to create separation as route runners on uh, reliable hands. But I don't think that uh, – I don't know that uh, K.J. Hill is going to add much in terms of the vertical game to your offense. I I'm fascinated by who starts the run and where these guys like it because it's it's never predictable right this is all a crapshoot when it comes to the draft but there's just so many of them this year it seems I'm interested to see just kind of how it breaks because there's so many talented guys that I've enjoyed watching over the course of the college football season but one in particular uh, when it comes to I'm a, I'm a Big Ten guy I went to Indiana and so Yitor Grossmatos is somebody who has been mocked to the Titans. Often I have seen plenty of him on tape. He is not uh, overly exciting, I think, just from my perspective, the untrained eye. I know the Titans need what they have needed desperately over the past couple seasons. This is not a new issue that needs addressing. But the Titans continue to try and manufacture pass rush without the lack of top-end talent. At 29, their life is not going to get a lot easier with this year's draft because it seems mm-hmm. it's Chase Young at the top and really everybody else kind of thereafter. You are not excited about Gross Matos either. And I want you wrote about this for Pewter Report. I don't want you to give away the entirety of your analysis, but I guess just kind of summarize for people who are paying attention to this guy as somebody the Titans might look at. Yeah, I think for me, the biggest thing with Gross Matos is I, I always look for pass rush athleticism. So burst off the ball, speed up the arc, and then flexibility at the top of the arc. Can you bend and flatten to the quarterback? Harold Landry's a prime example of somebody who does that really, really well. Um, can you do that, or can you bend enough to get underneath the tackle, move him up the arc, and come back inside of him? You know, We call that converting speed to power. And so I don't think he does – any of those things exceptionally well and the biggest issue is that he because he doesn't corner hardly at all and because his pass rush success has not come from getting around offense the outside of offensive tackles he's probably going to be a guy that at the nfl level where it becomes even harder to win outside of tackles he's probably going to be a guy that has to convert speed to power and play through or inside tackles to win and i think he is just way too slow off the ball and there just is not enough explosiveness to his game so while i think he's a smooth mover um, and i don't think he's necessarily a bad athlete pass rush athleticism looks a little bit different he may if you know he didn't do a ton of the testing i don't think but you know he may test unbelievable across the whole circuit you know if he had gotten the chance to um of drills but when you put on the game tape he doesn't play to those traits because the way that athletic traits apply to his position he doesn't that that doesn't isn't really where he wins um so he's kind of like somebody who would be a space player trapped in an edge defender's body and there's just no way I don't just don't know that he was going to be successful at what he specifically asked to do for his position uh, because there just isn't enough explosiveness off the ball. And if you can't generate that explosiveness off the ball, that momentum, there's no force when you make contact with an opponent. And so therefore, he's not moving people nearly enough uh, that he'll need to in the NFL. It's already the hardest way to win as a pass rusher is to go through guys and make a living at it as an edge defender in the NFL. Um, so he already is an uphill battle to even be successful enough to warn a first round pick in that way. But the fact that he doesn't even do that at a high enough level in college makes me wonder how 
does he win in the NFL as a pass rusher? I just don't see a path to great success for Gross Matos in that way. Well, what they do have on the roster right now is somebody whose skill set they they like and that they're trying to hone in Vic Beasley. Those are exact quotes from John Robinson, whose conference call I just wrapped up about two hours ago. You immediately urinated on all of the Titans fans' <laughs> hopes as soon as I said Titans add a pass rusher when Vic Beasley was signed, and you said, Buck, I have some bad news for you, buddy. <laughs> Expound on your opinion, John Ledyard, blunt as though it may be. <laughs> I just think when you're looking for pass rush help, you should probably get somebody who can do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a cold world out there. But I, it's I mean, just, it was so funny, John, because you scared the shit out of them right out of the gate, and it was so funny to watch people just scurry about uh, when <laughs> in retweeting your, uh, your, your tweet to me. Um, but yes, yeah. I, the, 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 the blunt, the the way that the Atlanta Falcons announced that they would not be resigning this guy is immediately kind of a red flag to anybody who's even kind of paying attention. They wanted the world to know they needed to move on. My God. Okay, so lay it out for the people as because yeah. I don't want to keep you too long. I know you have to get out of here. Lay it out for the people as bluntly as you can. Why Vic Beasley is not the solution to their pass rush. Well, I think that Vic Beasley, what he gives you that is better than other backup edge defenders, you know, if that's the role he's in, which is hopeful, I think, what he gives you is the ability to finish plays just because he's a great athlete. So play breaks down, quarterback scrambling, he can dance around people and and move through space, you know, in a way that is probably going to help finish some of those plays. If you look at his sack numbers by themselves, they're not terrible here. I'm looking at Pro Football Focus's sack numbers right now, and, and and they give half sack kind of credit for a full sack, which I actually kind of agree with. But that's another uh, story for another time. But so he his sack numbers are are fine really over the last couple of years. Nothing. I mean, not certainly not living up to a top ten pick, but you know a guy that you or you're like at the on the forefront. If you look at just his numbers, you're like, oh okay. But he doesn't create pressure one v one, and that's where premium. You know, you want starters that can create pressure one v one. You know, he's a great cleanup guy in terms of a few of other guys who can do it consistently. You know, he and, and move the quarterback off their spot. He can help finish plays just because he's such a good athlete in space, kind of like Bud Dupree did the last couple years in Pittsburgh before he finally kind of developed this past season for for the Steelers. So uh, I think that Beasley can help you in that way, and, and it's a good guy to have on the roster. Um, you know, athletes are always better to have on the roster than non-athletes. But for the last three years, he has just been a non-factor 1v1 as a pass rusher. And even in his big, you know, I led the league in sack season, you know, I kind of was charting sacks that year. And he had like four on Ty Simbrello, who is hanging around somewhere as a fourth tackle. Oh, no, he's here now. We got got them all, John. They're all here. For Dennis Kelly. So Ty (laughs) Simbrello might be the only person in the league who's scared to see Vic Beasley right now, <laughs> and they're on the same team. So Vic can't even beat him in a game now. So I, Havenstein was a rookie that year in Havenstein for the Rams, and he got around Havenstein, but Jared Goff was dropping like 12 yards deep, and he was cornering on that. You know, it's just too far. And so a lot of that was on the quarterback too. So again, he is very similar to Bruce Irvin in that they both just like to play fast, and they don't really have a plan of attack, and their hands haven't developed, their counters haven't developed. Beasley has tons of talent, but for five years in and we haven't seen it, I just really don't know that it's going to happen at this point as he approaches being 28 years old. It it honestly makes me so happy that you doubled down not only with shots at Beasley, but at Ty Sambrello, who is also now (laughs) 
on the roster. I forgot he was on the roster. He was brought in after they resigned. Oh, yeah. it's a bit. It's a big party here in Nashville, John. They shipped Jarrell Casey off for a seventh round pick. Washington <laughs> gets uh, gets a fifth rounder for Kyle Allen, and everybody's pissed yeah. off. They're still sniffing around Clowney. Uh, and Tom Brady didn't come here, so people are just gener- generally agitated with the Listen, state of the football this, team. Though, John Robinson's one of the best GMs in the entire NFL, man. I think that guy knows what he's doing, and I am actually really like draft to draft. I tend to be very in sync in, 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 with what the Titans like to do. Even some of their picks that don't look that great, like a Corey Davis. Now you're like, oh, why they did give him the top ten? Like I was on board with that too. So. You know, I love Jeffrey Simmons. I love Harold Landry. I love Rashawn Evans. So there's a lot of similarities there. So I think he's the right guy to guide you through it, even if some of these moves are a little questionable right now. Uh, no, I mean, and and uh, we'll move on really, really quickly. But just they haven't given us any reason to distrust them at this right. point, either he or Vrabel, which is kind of why, you know, the Beasley thing, it's intriguing. We were actually just joking with Mike because Mike is now famous for this chest pad that he wears and lets the players <laughs> just beat the holy hell out of him. Because he, he's bigger than most of them, and he can rough them up in these drills. Uh, but I don't know how he handles a guy guy like Beasley, who is just the perfect candidate for the Mike Vrabel training camp treatment, which I do not envy any of these guys. We have quickly uh, – what we had a couple questions sent in in the iTunes review. You can always leave iTunes review questions for our guests following 615 sessions, subscribing to them in the Apple Podcast. On the way out the door, because we don't have a time for all of them, but Skip 17 writes for John, Adam Kaplan reported that the Titans had Jalen Rager in for a top 30 visit before the COVID-19 uh, kind of halted everything. What do you think of the possibility of drafting Rager at 29? Uh, does he intrigue you at all in that sense? I think he really does, yeah. And again, we're talking about adding speed and a vertical dimension to this offense, and to me, that makes a ton of sense. Plus, I love getting guys who can do things with the ball in their hands. You know, I mean, I think those kind of guys are valuable. You have somebody like that in A.J. Brown right now. That's really not what Corey Davis does. It's not what Adam Humphreys does. So it's another piece like that that can add to the way you can scheme offensively, and I think that that's a great idea. So to me, he could fill two potential roles, and he can play inside and outside. He's the type of guy that I would be targeting if I were the Titans. He is John Ledyard. You can follow him on the socials at Ledyard NFL Draft, writing for Pewter Report about all things NFL Draft and Tampa Bay Tom as he now uh, takes the reins there with the Buccaneers. John, I appreciate the conversation as always, and I'm sorry I kept you a little over. Oh, you're good, Buck. No problem. No, Don't worry about it. Thanks so much for having Back here, 615 Sessions Podcast, A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports Nashville.com, powered by Tennessee Tickets, no hidden fees. Unlike those other guys, Tennessee Tickets.com. So we are doing things differently with social distancing and the practices that quarantine has instituted upon us, but we still get to talk to unique and interesting people. And this is a particularly unique time to be able to have our friends Jay Wilkerson and John Cascarano of Tame the Beast take care of us over there on the primetime show. If that 
If you don't know about the A to Z Sports Primetime Show, if you're just a podcast listener, Sunday to Thursday nights, 8 p.m. every weeknight, we are very happy to be partners with our friends at Tame the Beast. And they have a unique perspective on all of this because what Beast does is grooming products, and this is a time where grooming products are at a premium for people just to just to need who just need to wash their hands. So, Jay, John, I appreciate you guys stopping by and, and hope you're safe and doing well. Buck, thank you so much for having us. We are. Oh, we're uh, yeah, we're doing we're doing very well. Uh, we are uh, getting trying to. We both have kids, so we are trying to remain as creative as possible <laughs> while being at home. Uh, and it's expanding my imagination. But no, we're we're doing very well, and I, I hope everyone listening is doing the same. It's it's so funny that you that you bring up that a- angle of it because I'm. I've my social distancing experience has been vastly different than many people's because I you know I live alone I'm I'm 26 I don't have a family I don't have kids I don't have any of these things so if, if anything this is this is a nice change of pace for me to be able to talk to people uh, even if it's just on the phone having children during this time I imagine is hugely uh, it's a it's a much different balancing act. It is. And, you know, and obviously it, it just increases with volume. I, you know, John's got me by one. I've, <laughs> I've got two kids. John's got three. But, you know, it, it's, it's like everything, right? You can you can play endlessly. Um, but then when, of course, you realize, oh, wait a second, my children actually have to continue to learn something as well. Uh, that's where uh, that's where it's been fun and challenging. And uh, I, gained, uh, I gained a big respect for teachers. I'll, I'll yes, tell you that much. Absolutely. Yeah, I can't even begin to imagine how that job has changed. But let's talk about the job that you guys are doing now. Getbeast.com is the website. Uh, for yep. all of their fantastic grooming products, uh, stuff that I use with regularity. But this is not just because you guys are great partners of ours. This is an experience that's uniquely tailored to the services that you offer. So I guess if you can just, uh, Jay or John, whomever would like to start, walk us through the experience that COVID-19 has had on Beast as a company and on your guys's outlook for the company moving forward yeah absolutely um this is you know, um, you know it's you know especially here in nashville we've um we've had a couple of our big events here back to back you know first we had the tornado that affected nashville so so badly and now and now this unimaginable situation that we're all in um so it, it has you know like everybody we have we all feel it there's you know there's no one there's no one in the world who isn't feeling this um which is obviously a unique event to myself and i think anyone alive at the moment i, I was talking to a friend of mine in spain the other day he lives in barcelona and he's walking down the middle of a six lane road that was empty and and it's um it's 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 the same and we're feeling it everywhere um but like you said uh we uh we're a grooming company so we make soap um so there there have obviously been there have been some things that we've wanted to harness and be positive about within this situation uh beyond just trying to sell soap obviously people need soap and of course we're business and we sell soap and that's great and all but john and i have also been very very um um active in our conversation and thought about how we can help uh because we obviously have something that everyone needs and you know there's obviously if you read and listen to anything there's all so many misconceptions about you know what you have to do to stay clean etc and you know basically just you know you wash your hands thoroughly and you keep yourself clean and and that's about it so you know we've 
we've had a lot of different ideas um, that we and we've we've put forth um, um, a couple of them already. Uh, one thing that we were doing uh, for a couple of weeks is for every order that came in um, at ten dollars above, uh, we were throwing in an extra bar, five ounce bar of all natural amazing soap uh, with every single order. Um, and so that was how we started. Um, and then we started to figure out we wanted to do better than that. Um, and there are so many wonderful people across the entire country and the world fighting this on the front lines and organizations doing everything that they can to help um, get people what they need. And obviously one thing that people do all need is um, is soap and, and being able to stay clean. So we just, um, I think, gosh, two days ago, um, launched um, – through our other business partner, um, Kelly, Kelly O'Hara, um, our, a new giveaway we did through her. It's a complete giveaway, nothing, no strings attached. You don't have to buy anything. You don't even have to sign up for anything. Um, basically, basically the pitch is, you know, we wanted everybody, because there's so many great organizations we don't know about all over this country. And so she posted that we're giving away 1,000 liter size, all-in-one body yacht washes um, to 50 different organizations across the country. Um, and so we had people uh, co- comment uh, to the post and say, all right, this is a great organization and why we love them. And so we're going to pick, obviously, 50. We wish we could pick uh, 500. Um, at this point, we can, but we will hopefully do more. Uh, but, yeah, so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to um, help get organizations and people what they need um, and, and just keep moving forward. Um, John, did you want to you add any more to that? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think what what – brought the idea about was was you know we have friends who are nurses and doctors and all that and it's like you see what they're going through and then it's like well how do we how do we even go about helping and it's like well we you know i gave a a friend some uh, some some products and he's he's quarantined from his wife like in their house (laughs) they live here in nashville and and um uh, she's his wife's a doctor at vanderbilt and they're literally in separate bedrooms and I'm like, man, <laughs> and it's been that way for like a month now. And, uh, and, but then we're like, okay, like how, how do we, how do we at least, at least take a shot at doing something good here? And, and so then we're like, well, how do we know which organizations to help? And so that's where the, the post came about. Yeah. Again, they are pledging to give away 1000 liter sized all in one soaps to organizations helping keep people safe and healthy uh, through Kelly O'Hara, of course, of the U.S. Women's National Team, part of Team Beast. The medical profession, guys, is something that I have been in awe of at, at a time where you're reading all of the reports out of New York and seeing the way that doctors and medical professionals are having to having to put themselves in even greater harm's way than their profession normally requires of them. I personally don't have that many friends who are doctors, but John, just listening to you, to you describe that particular scenario for, for your friends here in Nashville, I can't even imagine what life must be like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I was, I was like, really, you know, I just kept asking, really? He's like, yeah, yeah, no, we're, we're in, we're, I mean, she's going, you know, at Bandy, they have, they have a whole, they even made part of the parking garage into, um, into, into, into makeshift beds and, and, and rooms just like in, in readiness and uh, they, I think they, they showed some of those on social media. But um, we have we have we have another friend who's a neighbor here who's a nurse. And I mean, it's almost like like my respect for them is like akin to like the military. I mean, it's 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 real. I'm like, wow, she's she's between going in and then also doing 
like telemedicine calls. It's just, I mean, she's working double time and I'm like, man, um, I, 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 um, I respect you. <laughs> yeah, no question about it. Jay, you guys are all over the country on a normal basis with the way that Beast's brand is growing. Through all of this, I guess, what outside of just the effect it's had on day-to-day business, and, and I hope both of you will uh, will be able to answer this, what moment through all of the things that we've witnessed in the past month and month and a half since COVID-19 has kind of taken over everything, what moment made it most real for you exactly, you know, what our new normal is? Well, you know, there was, for me, it comes down to just the simple things, right? Um, You know, I live in a neighborhood in Nashville where I have kids and we have a lot of friends in the neighborhood who also have kids and people as they should and need to, and which has been actually a positive to a point where people are out a bit more, you know, in the fresh air and they're in their yards, they're enjoying each other. They're spending obviously forced time together, but it's, they're spending more time together. But, you know, there was a moment, I, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago where we were in our yard, um, not near anybody. And there, here comes Six some to of 10 our feet, Jay, six to 10 feet, six, six to 10 feet. I was more like 30 yards. So we were, we were, we were clear. Um, <laughs> So some friends were, you know, our dearest friends were walking by and of course they have kids and our kids ran over and we realized we had to like almost like halt, scream, stop like you're about to run in front of a, a, a train just to not get any closer. And and we had to stand 10 feet away and couldn't embrace, couldn't. And it was just this moment of like, oh, my gosh, this is, um, this is something that I'm uh, I'm speechless about because. You just feel, you know, you, you know, it's like you feel immune to all this kind of stuff because you feel good, you feel healthy, but you're like, oh my, you know, we can't go about our daily just engagement with human beings, um, and even just when you're out in public, if you have to go to the store, if you have to get anything, just the this odd fear that uh, it's not even a fear, it's this 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 bubble of distance everyone is keeping between, which they have to and they should, but it's just everyone, it just. Uh, has that um everyone's radiating something if you, you almost feel everybody you see has something that they're radiating and it's it it's going to be something that i'm very glad when we're we're all past i um, i've personally taken offense to the amount of people that have swerved around me as if i'm some kind of disease <laughs> carrier which is just it's just how people interact nowadays they're, they're, if you get too close uh, folks aren't shy about letting you know yeah which and, and that's the way it's got to be right now. And I, I, I think after the, I know personally after the first two weeks of this, getting getting used to this, it seems it seems to have settled a little bit within everybody. And I, I, I think we're going to keep going through these emotional waves of of dealing with this. But um, the what the sunny weather sure does help, doesn't it? Oh God, John, how about you? What moment kind of made everything sink in uh, from your perspective? Well, I think for the, I think there's kind of a positive and negative. I think for the business, there was a moment where at first I was like, oh, this is, this is happening. This is really happening, but I think we'll be okay. You know, I think our, our business will be okay. But then it's like, but wait, these, our ingredients come from all over the world. And then our fulfillment center, there's people packing those. What, what if they get sick? And it's like, wow, this, this really affects, affects affects everything even uh mostly direct to consumer business and that all of a sudden it's like oh you kind of feel a little pang of 
of being however you want to put it exposed and and they're they're being risked to your livelihood and I'm like that's that was a, that was a real feeling and and then but also on the on the personal side it's I think it's yeah having three kids uh, spring break came spring break went and the kids are still there. And uh, there's still work to be done. There's still a, a, a paycheck to be had and business to be run. And um, um, hmm, how, how, do, how do we balance this? And, uh, I, I, you know, I, I can say that I've, I've had those, those interactions where we're walking down the street, especially with kids. I feel like people are especially wary of children now <laughs> where there's – I'm like – you know, see, someone, someone said, and rightly so, and rightly so, they, you know, yeah. they should be. just carrier of germs. I was conducting PE, which apparently I'm now a PE teacher, <laughs> and we go, we've discovered bicycles. So I, 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 this was actually a cool moment. You know, I, I taught my ten-year-old finally to ride a bike, and you know, several weeks ago, she she couldn't ride a bike. She could only ride a bike with training wheels, and. um I had, I, I had gotten her like a, like a small beach cruiser and we just started doing it and she started showing interest and I was like, Oh wow, maybe I can teach my kid to ride a bike. And then I did. And now she's like up and down the street and I'm like, Oh wow, this is great. So anyway, so some, I, th- I think bike sales are actually through speaking of business, bike sales are through the roof at sporting goods stores. Cause as a culture, we're like discovering these like pastimes that have been, maybe largely forgotten yeah people used to go out and walk with their families regularly or take bike rides things of this nature it's it's this kind of resetting to center that is uh, hugely unpleasant and catastrophic by the time we work our way through this from all the reports that you're reading um but there is a there is a grounding sense of it that i think hopefully will benefit people in the long run. And guys, I, I greatly appreciate the work that you're doing to try and make sure that people are being as safe as possible to give back in a time when so many people are in need. And, and for, the, for the conversation here today on the 615 Sessions podcast, John Carnesecco and awesome. I don't want to botch it, Jay Wilkerson. Jay Wilkerson, see, twice, nailed the dismount. I'm a professional. Of Tame <laughs> the Beast they are pledging to give away a thousand liter-sized all-in-one soaps to organizations helping keep people safe and healthy. To find out more about them, follow them on all of their social media handles at Tame the Beast on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram, of course, for all of their content that they are producing to help keep people entertained while helping to keep them clean as well. Getbeast.com. The website is the place that you go. Thanks, guys, for stopping by. Um, really appreciate it and hope you guys continue to stay safe, uh, stay well, and stay clean. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you, Buck. You too.
Um, whenever that, that came down, we actually were out a little bit sooner um, than, than when the memo came out. Um, so we're, you know, we're working from home. We're doing a lot of um, web conferencing through the various applications that, that we can do that. We've got some, some draft meetings this afternoon um, scheduled well, with the coaches and just trying to do everything we can to, um, to try to prepare for the draft and being mindful of a free agency and still, still working through that a little bit as well. So, um, you know, that's, that's kind of uh, where we're at. I'm sure you guys have some questions about specific players that, that we'll get to. Uh, so with that, Robbie, let's, um, let's kick off some, some questions. Yeah. Teresa, if you want to give us uh, the first question. John, as you guys are working through this, how are the preparations for uh, a unique remote draft? Uh, do you try to set up a war room? Uh, how do you approach uh, getting that so that when, you know, because right now draft is still on pace to be held, uh, how, what are you doing to prepare as a team and an organization to be ready to make picks at the end of April? Yeah, so um, that's that's kind of what we're um, you know, all 32 teams are, are kind of in the in the same boat. Um, we, we we have access to our our database remotely um, with all of the draft evaluations, the medical information that we have. Um, there's obviously not a lot of timing and testing data um, for players that either didn't work out at the combine or didn't go to the combine. There's some guys that that worked last spring or ran last spring or got measured last spring. Um, that you have to kind of rely on that information. Um, but as far as the, you know, the draft board and the talks, you know, we talk or we have web conferences daily with, um, with the scouts. Um, Coach Brable and I talk on a daily basis, you know, just about pods of players that, that we have seen and we're working through the draft board. Um, we have a draft board within our, within our database program that I work off of as well as, um, an Excel spreadsheet of uh, of the draft board that we're that we're working off of too. Uh, and just to up, oh, go ahead. Sorry about that. Just to follow up, have you thought about how it's going to work on the night of the draft? Uh, that's uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, do you communicate with uh, Mike, uh, Amy? Uh, you know, do you do it? Do you anticipate it being a, a Zoom call or or just staying on the phone lines? Uh, or have you thought that far ahead yet? Thank you. Yeah, no, that's a great question. You know, we're we're, we're still waiting from the to hear from the league a little bit on, um, you know, exactly how all that's going to unfold, um, and if if we can get back into to our draft facility, who will be allowed? All of those things, I think the league is 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 working through trying to get some parameters in place, um, and, and if not, then. Then yes, I would assume it would probably be, you know, Zoom or Microsoft Teams or some type of web-based um, interaction with our staff um, to try to get through the draft. Teron. Hey John, a question for you, just in regards to the process with with it not being able to get those face-to-face meetings. How much does that? How much more difficult does that make it to? Evaluate guys who may have off the field stuff. Yeah, no, that's. I mean, I, that's that's one of the things that I really look forward to um, in the spring is either going to a pro day or having a private workout or the, you know, the the visits that we're allowed to have here um, in Nashville. Um, sitting down across from some, you know, you know, a prospect 
no different really than, than a lot of other job interviews and, and getting to know them as a, as a person. So a lot of those questions were, were, were reliant that, that, that I can't get answered face to face. Um, you know, we're, we're working through with some, some FaceTime, um, stuff with some of the prospects and as well as relying on our scouts and the information that they've gathered in the fall and, and the respective coaches at the colleges across the country to um, really lean on that information that we have so that we can you know, hopefully make the best decision we can for the team. Paul, Garski. Sorry, un unmuting there. Uh, John, two, two for you. Is anyone with the organization uh, tested positive for the virus? Um. Not that I'm aware of. Um, and hoping you could get into the Casey trade. Um, obviously, a lot of salary involved there. Uh, what did you guys think about the, the football that he had left in him? And uh, how much was the, the salary the thing there? And um, and, and then with the money that you you got free there doesn't appear that you, you've made any kind of move to use that money what what's kind of the plan with that yeah i think you know anytime you have um you know a player that's that's drafted um to a team that that's performed at a really high level um you know I, we've got a ton of respect for i said it in my statement for for jarrell and his family and everything that he did for for the organization um but you know, we just we felt like it was it was time for us to go a, a, a different direction um, there, and you know, we were able to to um, find a trade partner in, in in Denver there, and then with it with respect to the um, and with with the money that that we freed up, um, you know, there, there's a lot of business that still has to be done throughout the course of the league year, um, and you know, we're 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 ever mindful of that. And you know we're working through a couple of guys here, um, here at the you know, kind of the end of free agency, if you will, you know, as well as preparing for potential guys that you want to extend um, later on down the road, um, you know, as well as budgeting for, you know, your IR players, um, replacement players if somebody gets hurt, you know, all those things have to be taken into account. Any consideration there to to taking on some of that salary in exchange for getting a better pick? Yeah, I, I mean, I'd say we explored about every option um, on that one. Jim Wyatt, do you have a question? Hey, John, uh, what, what was the communication hey, like maybe maybe with Derek uh, leading up to using the tag on him, and is your hope that you can get something done with him long-term uh, before a deadline? Uh, yeah, you know, we um, – you know, I met with I met with Derek as, as I've met with all of the the guys that were whose contracts were going to be up at the end of end of the season once we were done playing there. Um, told him we were going to start working on that, which we did. Um, at the end of the day, we couldn't we couldn't we couldn't come to you know an agreement on that one. So, you know, we used one of the avenues you know to keep Derek because Derek's an important part of our football team. And you know, I've spoken to you know, his representatives after uh, we used the the tag. And, um, you know, we want to continue to have those discussions and those, those back and forth in, in hopes of reaching, 
um, some type of, of long-term agreement. And, um, you know, we'll kick those conversations off again here, you know, probably before the, certainly before the, the training camp uh, gets, gets ramped up and going. John Glennon. Hey, John. Um, wondering if you can uh, talk a little bit about where you feel uh, the Titans stand now in regards to free agency, whether you see anything still, uh, I guess, uh, significant, if that's such a word, still to come, or uh, or, or do you feel like you've been uh, you, you've signed most of the players you're going to sign? And, and maybe if I could just kind of follow on that, I don't know if you can talk about specifics, but regards to uh, Clowney and, and Logan Ryan, whether you've had uh, talks with them, and, and if so, where do they stand? Um, yeah, I would I would say we're we're um, you know we're still working through it. We're looking at, at guys that are that are still um, available. Um, you know, there's some guys that are that are out there and available that we have had discussions with. There's some guys that 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 we haven't. Um, I don't know that we're we're done, but I don't know if there's going to be a flurry of moves here. You know, we signed, um, I'm sure you guys saw, we agreed the terms with uh, Jack Crawford uh, yesterday and then uh, Kamale Correa last night. Um, so, so Casey will be, will be back with us. Um, but yeah, there's still, there's still some, some things that we're, we're working through. Um, you know, I have talked to, to Logan's representation there. Um, I would say there's nothing imminent in the works. Um, and we have, we have touched base with, with, with Connie's representation too, and just kind of seeing and trying to navigate work through where, where that one might, might be. Zick, could I get just a follow up on that, on that last one? Sure. Um, yeah, just in terms of Clowney, I know he's a guy who's coming off of surgery, uh, obviously, and that's got to be important when you're, when you're thinking about a contract. How, how vital is that? And, and, uh, you know, have you guys been able to get a sense of, where he stands physically. I mean, it's just through talking through through with the with the agent as far as for you know actually getting a medical report on the player. You're not going to have a medical report on the player until he sees your you know until he, until, until he sees your your team doctors. Um, so yeah, but I would say that, that that there's nothing more important than the health of of, of the players. Um, you know their their ability to go out and. And, and play for 16 games is is it's important, or at least the games that they are healthy enough to play in that they're impactful. So um, that's definitely an important part of, of of the decision when you're looking to sign somebody. Uh, Terry McCormick, John, got a couple here. First of all, going back to the draft and the evaluation process, how much more with the way things are do you have to rely on? what the scouts have brought to the table from their evaluations in the offseason and also just what the game tape shows of a player since you won't have the chance for many measurables or uh, face-to-face meetings. Yeah, I think we, I think we always try to, to weigh heavily on, on what our, you know, our scouts' opinions of the players. Um, that's why we send them out on the road. That's why we have them go visit with the coaches and, Trainers and strength staffs at, at, the, at the, their respective schools that they're in charge of. Um, so their in, their in for information and their input into what the player would bring to our football team is is vitally important. Um, but yeah, I would say that 
and and to the second part of your question, we we try to we try to um, not get enamored with the measurables or the testing results of of players. I I generally watch the the film and watch the game tape and determine if they're try to determine as best as possible. Not that I'm always right. If they're if they're good at football and what role they would have on our team, and then you know certainly the measurables it can lead you to you know either justify your feeling of the player. If you think the guy's a really fast player and he runs a fast time, then you're like, all right, well that one looks right. But if he if he looks like he plays fast but he runs slow, timing wise, then you know which which do you lean on? I tend to lean on the tape more than I do the numbers. Um, so I would say the lack of that data isn't paramount, but it's always it's always good uh, to to have that. Um, but it's it's a it's a situation that all 32 teams are in. So I would say that all of us are dealing with the same thing, and we'll work through it accordingly. And then my second one is is this uh, in terms of back. I thought that was too, back. Terry. Oh, was that too? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not with you. Go ahead. In terms of looking for a depth at quarterback and running back, uh, what are some of the options that you'll have to explore in that regard? Yeah, so you know we've got um, obviously getting Ryan back there. That was that was big for us. Um, you know Logan Woodside has done a nice job for us. Um, he he had a little um, procedure last year. Ended up going on the practice squad uh, reserve. Um, but yeah, I mean we'll we'll look to the draft and you know see what the, the pool of free agents is like. But you know Logan's done some good things for us, and um, he'll get a chance to compete with whoever else we bring in here. Um, and then I would say the same thing, same thing at, at running back. You know, there's there's some guys in the draft that are they have they have some you know skill sets that are um, would be very complementary to, to to Derek. Um, and you know we've got Dawkins who's played for us and and Wilson who did a good job for us on the practice squad. So both guys will compete uh, for a spot. And um, and then you know still there's still some guys in pre agency too that we're kind of looking at and seeing if they might have a role for us. Eric Macrock. Hey, John. Do uh, you think guys like Delaney, uh, you know, Jarrell Casey, Cameron Wake, Marcus, when constructing and, and retooling a team, how much is, is the leadership aspect uh, sort of on your mind when you're doing that? And, and where does sort of the culture go from here, just, just given those losses? Well, I mean, I think, the, I think we've got a locker room full of good guys. I think we've got, we've got leaders in the locker room and, um, it, it, you know what? I thought Ryan did a great job being a leader. Derek did a great job being a leader. Both of those guys are back. Uh, ben Jones has stepped up, and he's always been a really good leader. Johnny Smith grew last year. Um, Adam Humphreys has, has, you know, played a. He's not the most maybe vocal guy, but um, in, in a meeting room setting, but he's very attentive. He's extremely detailed. The guys respect him. Um, and, you know, that's the same thing on defense. We've got Kevin Byard, who's played a lot of football. Kenny Vaccaro, who's played a lot of football. Rashawn Evans took a step last year, I think, Bookley. So, you know, I think the core of players, yeah, there's some guys that aren't going to be in there. We're, and those guys that, you know, this leadership thing, um, there's some guys that are going to have to take on a little bit more. Um, but we feel really good about the guys that we have in the locker room being able to do that. Chris Harris. Yeah, hey John, how you doing? 
good. How are we doing? We're hanging in there. That's good, man. I just had a couple of questions about logistics. How many different scenarios do you guys have in play relative to being able to even be ready for a season, uh, given all the unknowns? Yeah, I think, you know, right now our focus is on the um, – is just getting ready for this for this draft and, and being mindful of, of free agents that are still out there that, that might help our football team. Um, that's that's our focus. Now, we're also thinking about the, the OTAs, the when can the players come back, what if they can't come back. Um, you know, I've talked to Coach Grable, and he's met with – or we've met with – you know, talk to Urselli, our our trainer, and <clears throat> excuse me, Frank Ron, our strength coaches. What what is that going to look like if we can do this? If we can't do this, then what about if we do that? So, I'd say there's several things that we you know we've tried to think about and map out um, to try to get our team ready and our players ready um, for for the season. Okay, and then as a follow-up, how much uh, discussion has there been about the possibility of there not even being a season? I know it's something that no one wants to talk about, but it's a possibility because everything's a possibility. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I mean anything's possible, um, but I, I I don't think that that's well, I, not that I don't think we haven't even discussed that. You know, our our like again, like I said again, our our preparation is is. Um, on the draft right now, I'm making sure we try to have everything uh, lined up for that and then putting a plan in place, uh, whatever contingency bucket it might fall in, so that our, our players are prepared um, to come back and, and go to work and start getting ready for, for, the, for the season. Uh, Luke? Luke? Yeah, I, w- I want to ask about what was the uh, the rationale behind deciding to bring Vic Beasley into the fold. He's someone that Obviously, led the league in sacks a few years back. The production has tapered off a little bit since then. He did have eight sacks last year. But why bring him in, and what do you think you can get out of him? Um, well, I mean, we brought him in because he's got he's got some ability to to rush the passer off the edge. Um, you know, watching back through the tape, he's got that, that that plays hard. He's he's fast. Um, he's got he's got good length. Um. But he's got some he's got some good snaps on tape, and I'm sure you know he will probably tell you he's got some snaps he'd he'd like to be better at. It's no different than any other player in the National Football League. Um, but just felt like there was there was there was an ability or skill set there um, that that we could hone. Um, I mean, I think our our head coach played 12, 13, 14, 15 years at that position and he's got a wealth of knowledge at that position um and just think that that he can he can work with 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 Vic um you know along with you know Shane Bowen our outside linebackers coach and 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 really hopefully take his game to another level and with that position group as a whole where do you feel like you stand because it's a very interesting group you mentioned bringing back Correa, you've got DeAndre Walker, who I'm sure you hope will be healthy after missing all of last season. You know, Harold Landry. Where do you stand with that group as a whole? I think it's a, I think it's a position group that's got that's got good depth. I mean, you've mentioned them. You know, we we added Vic with Casey back in the fold. He played some really good football for us down the stretch. Um, Landry Landry had a good year last year. Anxious to see Walker 
and, and what he brings to the table. You know, Reggie Gilbert had some meaningful snaps uh, along the way. And then uh, Roberson, you know, kind of as a, as a pass rush guy, really factored some at, at the end of the season for us, for us too. So it's, it, it is somewhat of a younger group, if you will. But, I, I mean, it's, it's an athletic group. Um, that, that has some speed, and, and I think the, the depth of that position um, is, is pretty good right now. doesn't mean we won't add somebody, um, but I feel pretty good about where we're at from a depth standpoint. Uh, Buck? Hey, John. Uh, I guess just from, a, from your perspective, how have you experienced everything that's been going on, maybe if it's just from the perspective of the sports world, with the way that everything's just kind of come to a halt and in, in around us, I know you kind of addressed it at the top, but just uh, your experience through it. Yeah, it's you know it's it's uh, it's 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 extremely humbling and 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 eye opening. Um, I think the one that kind of kind of got me initially was um, when Joe when Joe Diffie was diagnosed. Um, he, he was a guy that that I had just met last November at the CMA Awards. Um, it was during our bye week, so my wife and I went and and got to spend a little bit of time with, with him. And he was just a, a regular guy who talked about football, and he wanted to, he wanted to talk to me about football and not about music. And he loved the Titans. And it was just really, really. I mean, I, as a Young as a kid growing up, listening to all his songs, um, and I had a, had a it was a pretty cool moment to meet him and spend some time with him, and then to see, you know, how that went went so fast over this past weekend was just, you know, it's kind of shocking, and um, it's you know I think I think we all um, are watching the news, and you know it's. The first thing I do in the morning is put the news on and see if there's any been any new developments to help fight this thing. But you know, I think it's it's just um, I'm not that old. Um, I talked to my uh, my grandma my grandmother last night just to check on her. She's in her late 80s, and she said it's nothing like she has ever seen. And she's been on this rock a lot longer than I have. So um, to hear that coming from her, I think that's you know we're we're in a we're in, a, we're, in a, we're in a difficult time right now. I, I really appreciate you sharing that, John. Um, with with all of that said, how how have you, I guess, personally experienced moving forward with with day to day life in the NFL, having to prepare for the draft? Um, how has that been on you? I guess. Well, I, I, I realize now why I, I, I leave and go to work early because the, the mornings here with my, my family is, is way more hectic. So I'm glad that in a, in a normal uh, work week with this virus not here, I'm usually out of the door and I don't have to deal with the morning chaos of breakfast ready and school uniforms and all that stuff, um, which my girls are at home now, um, obviously doing school online, but, um, you know, I, I get up and I, I have a home office that was really used for storage that I kind of cleaned up, and I've got a TV in here and an iPad and at my surface, and um, I'm I'm on the phone way more than than I typically am, simply because you can't walk 
you know, across the hallway and, and talk to Ben Marino about where we're at on the cap. You can't walk down to John Salvi's office and talk about the draft or walk over to Ryan Cowden or Brian Gardner or pop down and, and see Ray. Well, you're calling, I'm calling these, you know, our staff. Um, I don't see our equipment staff. I don't see our video staff. So I sent an email out to them yesterday just checking on them and their families. So there's a lot of remote communication that's going on through email and phone calls and text messages that typically doesn't happen. Um, but as far as the workload, I've got, you know, we've got access to all the video and the college film and, and pro film on our iPad to a cloud server. I have our database pro in college here on my surface. Um, I'm able to function and, and evaluate players and, ha- and have discussions with our staff. It's just, it's just different. You know, it's just different. Appreciate that, John. Gentry? Uh-huh. Uh, Gentry? Uh, yeah, hey, John. Um, you know, going back to, to the deal with Ryan, you know, there's obviously a lot of a lot of speculation about the quarterback position over a few months. And, you know, how how, how confident were you all along that the deal was going to get done? And, you know, how, how committed were you that, that, you know, Ryan was going to be your guy? Yeah, I mean, I had, I had a, I, you know, you never, you never want to say you're, you're 100 percent that that it's going to get done. But you know, Brian had did a great, he did really did a great job for us um, last year. Um, you know, I've always kind of admired him from afar, and then when he came in here and performed um, the way the way that he did, um, I knew I knew we were going to try to do our best to to, um, to lock him up long term. And then those those discussions when you're talking about a deal like that, those are those are lengthy discussions. Um, over several weeks, um, and it was just slowly back and forth, um, talking and and finally coming to to a spot where you know we were willing to go and and where where they felt was was good for them. So we're we're glad that one got done, um, and I look forward to him leading our football team. And also with with Derek, how would you I guess characterize his his response to to the, the tag and for the Titans, how much urgency is there moving forward to, to try to get that deal done, you know, this year? Sorry about that. It's probably an Amazon package. Um, <laughs> we've got like 9 million of them. Our recycle has never overflowed this much. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I think any time a player, um, when you, when you have to use that, that, you know the tag on them. That that's something that ideally they you know they probably don't want. Um, but but still at the same time, um, he, I, I know that he wants to be a part of this football team. Um, and and you know I thought it was I thought it was good that that they you know communicated back that he that he does want to be here and he wants to keep working on this thing. It wasn't wasn't something that okay well. I'll take it and I'm done or I'm just going to do whatever that he, he wants to be here. And he conveyed the message to me that through his agent, that he, he, he wants to keep working on this thing. And, and we do too. Corey Curtis. Hey, John, I uh, just want to say our thoughts are with you and your family. I know you, you didn't really touch on it, but you've got your own special challenges at home during this scary time. So we're thinking about your family at this point. Thanks for that, Corey. Um, I want to get back to the Casey trade real quickly. 
Um, why make the move when you did if you didn't need the cap space right at that moment? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think I think out of out of uh, you know teams start to prepare um, for free agency. So you have to allocate and you have to budget if if, if you have a deal for uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna trade a player with you know with a you know, pretty good salary, that team has to make sure that it can it can take that on and handle it. Um, so that's that's kind of why it went down when it when it went down. And then I wanted to follow up. Uh, I think Teron asked about the face to face meetings. You know, and just getting back to an example of like with with Jeffrey last year, had you not had the time to sit down with him last year, really get to know him, would you have been able to pick him like you did? Um, I would say it probably would have been harder, Corey. Um, but I think had we not spent time with him and still done the due diligence that we did talking to so many people, um, I think we, we probably would have been, um, we, we probably would still would have picked Jeffrey. All that's hypothetical. Um, but I, I think that we would have found a way, you know, whether it's through FaceTime or, or some method to spend time with him because he was such a, a impactful player with a really unique situation. Um, I think that that we probably still would have selected Jeffrey. I shouldn't say probably we will. We would have still selected Jeffrey because we would have done enough due diligence without sitting in the same room with him to still come up with the same um, conclusion about him as a person. And just following up on, on that, that group, that defensive line group, how, how do you see that front three stacking up for you? with the way you guys stand right now? Um, yeah, well, it'll be multiple. Sometimes there'll be two in there. Sometimes there'll be three. If we go heavy, sometimes there'll be four. Um, you know, but we've got, we've got Daquan uh, back. We've got uh, Jeffrey back. Um, Isaiah Mack, who played some for us last year. Dickerson, who played some for us last year. And then Jack Crawford, um, who we added, um, who was in Atlanta last year. I think he's been in the league uh, since... 12 or 13, actually 12, um, Terrell Williams coached him out in Oakland when, when Big T was out there, uh, spoke very high, highly of him. He, he has some length to the position. Um, and Joey Ivy kind of punched in there a little bit for us too. So, um, you know, we still got some work to do with that position group. Um, unlike, you know, a lot like, like several other position groups, we're going to continue to add depth, but that's what the draft and, and, um, you know, whatever's left here with free agency and then the post-draft uh, free agency process is for. David Leclerc? Uh, John, I'm curious, with, with the guys that you've been able to retain and uh, the caliber of players you've been able to retain, how, how much do you think you guys will have an advantage, say, if, if the offseason is, is abbreviated in some way? David, that's a, that's a great point. That's something that, that we talk about um, is trying to keep the continuity uh, together. You know, a guy like Michael Pruitt, who we were able to, to re-sign, um, was a versatile piece for us. He played on the line. He played fullback. He detached some. He knows the offense. Same thing with Correa. He knows the terminology. Um, 
obviously with, with Ryan and, and, and Derek, um, adding Dennis Kelly back, um, was big for us adding Ty Sambrillo who played for Keith Carter in Atlanta. So a lot of that is similar terminology. Um, all of that, all of that is, is an important piece. Um, to your point, just in case the OTAs are canceled or pushed back or whatever it may be. Uh, and, and you haven't really talked about. Sorry, Robbie. You haven't talked about Kelly yet, too. What 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 makes you comfortable? He's ready to be a starter at right tackle. Yeah, I mean he he really he, he did a good job for us at the end of the of the eighteen season. He had an outstanding um had an outstanding off season program um, in the nineteen off season. Um, you know, Jack was still kind of coming back there, and it was. I mean, those guys were were battling. Um, for that for that right tackle spot, and Dennis did an outstanding job. And then you know all of a sudden he has to kick over to left tackle, and he started four games. And um, there were times where he looked you know really dang good at left tackle. And there's some plays like I said earlier, probably like to have back. Um, but he's a big strong guy um, who who can play both spots, um, but has started games. We won games with him uh, in there. And uh, feel confident about him starting to right tackle for us. Um, Kaharski, you want to circle back on one, and then we'll open it up to uh, some additional questions. Okay. Oh. Oh. John. None. John, no. did you ever? Did you ever? Did you ever have any kind of conversation with Tom Brady's camp? Uh, no, I mean, we signed, we signed, uh, Tannehill. Any other uh, questions from the group? Yeah. And one more, sorry. Uh, what, what kind of, sure. uh, what kind of status does Greg Joseph have? How do you assess how things played out at kicker for the franchise last year and, and what needs to happen to make it better going forward? Yeah, it was, you know, it was, it was a whirlwind last year. You know, we had, um, it suck up, went on IR and then we brought Cairo in and he, he did a nice job. And then, you know, he missed some and then we brought Parky in and then suck up was back and then he wasn't back. We were able to find Greg and, um, I thought Greg did a nice job kind of steadying the, the rudder for us. Um, finished strong. Um, you know, we'll obviously add some, some competition there at that position, just like we will any other position. You know, same thing at, at inside linebacker and corner and D-line and O-line. We're going to add competition at all the positions because um, I think that's what makes players better is competition. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where we're at right now. You know, we're looking at, at some guys that are out there in, in free agency as well as kind of working through these draft, draft guys. And, um We'll pull, we'll pull the trigger on, on one of those guys to get in here and, and, and make that position as competitive as possible. Hey, John, Corey heard us here. Just wanted to ask you, I know you've got about a month left on this decision. You've got two fifth-year options coming up. Have you made up your mind on those? No, we're still, wor we're still working uh, through those, uh, Corey. Um, and uh, we're still kind of plotting and planning the you know, when you're dealing with the cap, you got this year's cap, and then you got to try to look at next year's cap. We try to plan, you know, at least two, maybe three. It gets a little hard when you get beyond three. 
um, but just looking at how all of those decisions will impact us. Um, the draft impacts that, whether you trade up or trade down, um, where those slots come in at. So. Hey, John, if I hey, John. Just, uh, follow one more time on the, uh, on the Casey front. Um, I guess, uh, am I accurate in thinking that uh, you guys could have released him next year with no dead money involved? And, and I guess if that was the case, was that a consideration to, you know, in addition to, uh, to moving him this year? Um, yeah, I mean, we talked about a, a lot of different scenarios. Um, but at, at the end of the day, we, we, the decision we made we thought was, was the best one. Um, and that's, that's the one we, we decided to, to go with. John, have you had a chance to, to even think about the expanded playoffs and what that might mean considering this franchise would have had, you know, under this current new format, a chance at two more postseasons over the last few years? Uh, you like the opportunity this spring? Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't had a chance to, you know, sit down and digest that. Um, but, I mean, obviously for, for the fan base, whether it's our team or, you know, 31 of the other teams, um, to have a chance to be, to be playing in the, in the postseason, um, to be in the tournament, um, you know, I would say our season last year, we, were, we weren't really a, a, a favorite once we got in, um, but we were able to string some, some wins together and, and you know, kind of and get to the AFC championship game. No different than when I was with the Patriots and the Giants got in and, um, and they wrecked our undefeated season that we had going there in New England. Um, that's that's the way it is. So I, you know, I think it's I think it I think I think in the end it'll be good for the sport. Um, it'll be good for the fan base to be able to you know, have have a couple more ch- shots at uh, at a championship. We'll take John more and we'll hang up. And- I got one more, and then we'll hang up after that. Okay, cool. I'll sneak this in real fast, John. Joe Rexford here. I just want to ask you about the receiver group. Um, you know, losing Tajay, expectations for Corey Davis this year, and, and do you think that you need, you know, a, an addition in terms of a, another speed threat? Yeah, I think, you know, again, like I said earlier, we'll, we'll look to add um, competition at, at every spot. Um, but that group, you know, AJ had a great year last year. Corey did some good things for us. You know, Humphreys, you know, hopefully he's back healthy uh, in the slot for us. I thought Khalif Raymond really did some good things for us down the stretch. Um, Cam Batson will be back. So I think all of those guys will be competing, you know, for the roster. But yes, yeah, certainly through uh, through the draft, it's a pretty good it's a pretty good receiver class. Uh, so we'll see how all that shakes out. And when we start to stack that position group against other position groups when we're on the clock. Good afternoon. Hope everybody's uh, safe and taking care of your loved ones uh, like I am trying to do and so many others. Um, The COVID-19 pandemic has made this time very scary, very real. Uh, I want to stress how important it is to stay at home and stay healthy and and safe. Um, Do everything that we can um, individually and as an organization to, to try to spread that message. Um, you know, it's just something that, that needs to be taken very seriously. Um, something that I don't know if we're ever ready for, but we have to um, adjust to every distraction and, and make sure that we're, we're doing everything that we can um, as, as a team and as an organization to, to make that um, as safe as it is for our players and our employees. Um, you know, acknowledge our, our heroes in the hospitals. 
I think that as a society and as a team, if we can exhibit the same type of courage and commitment that those people are right now, I think we'll all be in a much better place than being in contact with our players and trying to make sure that they're um, keeping their family safe and healthy and also trying to um, do the, the best that they can to mentally and, and physically prepare themselves for a uh, an off season here that's going to going to look pretty different. Uh, we don't know what that is, but it's going to be different, and, and we'll adjust to to whatever that may be. So um, I appreciate it. Um, looking forward to to talking to you guys, and and, and we'll go from there. So Teresa, if you want to get us started, uh, Mike, glad that you're hi Teresa. Hope you're doing well and keeping your family safe. Uh, with this unknown, as you you know, you've been able to keep so many players on this team, but with the draft coming at the end of the month, what are you trying to do to make sure that players, uh, the off-season program would have started in a couple weeks? How do you make sure that they work out to the specifications of Todd and Frank and, and, and stay healthy? And, and, and how do you maybe communicate that once you have new players that join the team? Well, Teresa, I don't worry. Um, I don't have concern about what these players are going to look like physically. I, I believe that, that self-motivation is the core uh, to any team success. And, and, I, and I know and I'm positive that we have self-motivated players uh, that will be doing whatever they possibly can right now. And, and we're also, whenever we get them back and, and we see them physically in our building, whenever that may be, um, Todd and Frank and I have already talked about, you know, making sure that there's some level of evaluation or physical evaluation that we're just not throwing these guys in. Um, I know that the health of the team is the most important thing. Um, some guys will have access to to more um, in home, or, or maybe they they own a gym that they're the only, you know, I mean, whatever the situation may be. But we're going to be conscious of of what their level is when they come back in. Um, we're also working through what that may look like to, to, to remote or digital or virtual learning to try to make sure that our coaches are the best possible teachers in this time um, and, and making sure that our players can have access to the information that we would normally present them with uh, when we get back to the off-season program, whatever that may be. Teron? How's it going, Coach? Good. How are you guys? Are you hanging in there, Teron? How's your daughter? Yes, yes, sir. Yeah, all, all three of them are doing well. So, uh, I, I wanted to ask you because you mentioned self motivation, and with bringing Vic Beasley in, obviously it's a clean slate. But that was one of the things that kind of tag he was tagged with in Atlanta. How do you feel that you could help push that self motivation and get him back to the guy that that he was when he led the league in sacks? Well, I mean, that, that's, that's our job is to have a vision for the player and, and coach him and, and hold him to a standard um, that's expected of, of our players. Um, you know, I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to comment on, on what was done or what wasn't done in Atlanta. Uh, we're focused on moving forward, you know, with Vic, with, with a skill set that we like with a player that can, that can run and has some speed, uh, some, some explosiveness. And versatility, we believe, um, you know, and then that's, you know, that's what I'll do. That's what Shane will do. That's what, that's what Matt Edwards will do. And you know, there'll be a lot of people involved in, 
and helping him still continue to develop and, and try to find a role for us and, and ultimately help us win. Paul Kaharski. Hey, uh, Mike, can, um, can Zubnar play linebacker? Can Sombrello play guard? Are those guys versatile that they can, can do more than, uh, than they came in having done where they were? Well, you know, and I think it's important when you talk about, you know, special teams or that position that you're referencing, Nick. Um, you know, we're, we're going to coach him. Like he, he's going to be in a he's going to be in a linebacker meeting, and and obviously he he's going to have to to be able to go in a game, much like all our other players that are that are going to be a backup. And that's probably where he's going to start. You know, he's probably going to start out as a as a backup linebacker, but. Um, that, that you can't just be a special teams player. You don't you don't have enough roster spots, and I know that they're going to expand some of that stuff. But th- that's what they do. And if somebody goes down, and my, my guess is that the best ones that we've had, um, whether that be in Houston or, or here, are guys that can can go in there and play both spots. You know, they're they're, they're a premier special teams player, and that's their first role. But they can also you know, back up at either inside linebacker spot. Uh, and, and so we coach him as such. You know, I don't think we can paint him as, hey, you're, you're never going to go in the game as a linebacker. Whether he's gotten that opportunity or not, um, my thought process and, and our coaches will be that, you know, we'll, we'll coach him and he'll, we'll, he'll learn our defense. And, and we'll see, just like everybody else, what that looks like when he gets out there. Ty is a versatile player. Um, who's played guard in this league, played tackle in this league. And so those are, you know, scheme fits that that's familiar with the system, and uh, somebody that we looked at last year um, potentially, but you know, didn't end up working. So we know we know where he's been and, and what he can do. And so I think there's some versatility up there that we uh, covet when you talk about being able to play more than one position. John said you've been in touch with uh, with Clowney to to some degree, uh, based on your experience with him in in Houston. And kind of picking up on what uh, what TV said about Beasley, can you speak to, to his work ethic um, and, and maybe to his health issues that you saw while you were down there? Um, you know, first of obviously the health issue. Um, that, that's not for me to decide. I, I know that when I say when I coached JD, JD was prepared. Uh, we did a lot with him. We had a lot of injuries uh, one year. We put him in a lot of different places to try to help have him help us affect the game. Um, and then um, he played extremely hard. You know, when he played extremely hard. Um, and I'm not sure if he missed any games that year or not, but um, you know, he, he, we put him in a lot of different places. We asked him to do a lot, um, and, and he did do a lot for us. Um, you know, and so not, never had an issue with, with any of J.D.'s effort. Um on the field. Tim Wyatt. I hope you're doing well, Mike. Um, I, I guess we're dealing with so many uncertainties here with the virus and when the return might be, but how much more difficult is it going to be for players to get better if you're if you're limited to just maybe a training camp uh, with them this season? I mean, that's that's what it'll be. If that's what it ends up being, Jim, you know, we, we don't complain. We don't... Um, 
we try to figure out what, what the situation is, and, and we're going to make the best of it. Uh, we're going to be creative uh, with whatever the rules are and whatever is best for our players. That's what we're going to do. Um, we talked about last year. There's certain times where you have to try to improve as the season goes along without some of those reps. And so you know, it's, it, 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 whatever they say, we can get on the field or we can't get on the field. And, you know, we're going to try to make sure that our players are, are as prepared as, as they can possibly be uh, when, when that time comes for them to you know, come back to our facility or engage in conversations with our coaches um, remotely. And just to follow up for me, what is that like, a guy like yourself who's so hands-on with coaches? What's it been like being away from them, having to deal with them maybe virtually uh, this offseason? I've realized that I probably am not a very good person working at home. Um, you know, that's, uh, that's something that, you know, you take for granted, the ability to be able to do that and um, not have that interaction. Uh, in different meeting rooms with your coaches, uh, especially with the players, you know, when, when they, they'll come back and, and they weren't due to come back till April 20th. But um, and I think you take for granted those, those men and women that, that work from home. But it's been, it's been good. We've been able to meet. We've been able to um, see coaches in their, in their homes. Um, John and I talk just like we do when we're in the building um, often. And um, I think everybody's just kind of working through that and trying to stay focused on on what we need to do to to improve and have our players uh, ready to go mentally from a from a playbook standpoint in all three phases, and then also uh, making sure that uh, that the draft prep and, and the conversations with the players uh, and the coaches' opinions um, you know are heard. John Glennon. Hey, Mike. Uh, hey, um, hey uh, I know we've seen you become, you know, very involved over the you know, last couple of years when it comes to evaluating draft prospects. I know you like to get, you know, hands-on a lot of times in that respect, too. Wondering what this evaluation period has been like for you not being able to do that and, you know, how much more challenging does that make uh, the draft process when you can't, you know, look a guy in the eye and, and you know, maybe – bump around with them a little bit on a, on a practice field too. I think that that's just something I was enjoyed doing and I thought it helped me uh, with certain players, but um, you, you, you try to, you try to really study the tape. You try to study um, the, the player when you talk to them. You know, we've been in contact with players. Um, you, you try to reach out to, to strength coaches or coaches that you know, and try to build a continue to try to build a profile of guys that you would you know want to put on our on our football team. I think that that's something that very conscious of and the players that we bring on this team. Um, are they going to be able to exhibit the same characteristics that that we've shown uh, in in two years? Um, the demand that we place on the effort and finish and the ability to put the team first in, in, in all aspects. Those are those are difficult decisions um, when you don't have a lot of you know interaction with players or personal interactions with them through this process. Terry, 
Mike, uh, how much has uh, Logan Bullfight shown? Um, I guess at every stage, you know, training camp practice, blood last year before he got hurt. That where if he does end up the backup, there's there's a ton of confidence there. Sure, that's everybody's job. And is, is this air? Is this air? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I thought you said Terry and maybe said Eric. Sorry. Um, that's um, that's how you you know you have to build again confidence is built through through routine um, performances over a set of a period of time. Um, you know, the the body of work that we have for Logan is through the preseason and through practices, but his grasp as watched him prepare um, while he was on injury reserve last year. Watch him prepare mentally. I was very impressed with that, which is something that uh, for a young player you, you you have concern about sometimes is can he stay engaged. Um, but this was a player that was that was rehabbing while he was um, on injury reserve, stayed locked in, stayed focused in the meetings, and he was ready on the game plan. You know, Pat would meet with him at the end of the week like he was going to, to play a football game, which I thought was great. Um, they, and they have a, a really good relationship. And Arthur would and obviously spend a lot more time uh, with, with um, Ryan and, and Marcus. But from a mental standpoint, we, we tried to prepare uh, Logan like he was going to go play a football game, even though he was rehabbed. And so now you know, we'll see what he looks like physically when we can get him back out there throwing. And then, uh, and then we'll make decisions. But that you know, whoever ends up being, being on the roster, uh, we have full confidence in. Uh, that they can go out there and do their job. Terry McCormick? Mike, with with everything the way it is now and not being able to have contact and guys in, are there ways that you can use this offseason still to expand on what you do scheme-wise and playbook-wise? Because I know the offseason is generally a time to do a lot of that. I think that this is an important time to – to make sure that what you're telling the players is is very important, and, and the only the concise, making sure that it's concise, that it's detailed, and that it's clear, and it's being, it's able to be presented to them in a in a way that you're you're expecting it to be remotely um, given to them. And so, I think it's forced us to really hone in on what we're doing and making sure that. Um, we don't go crazy with this extra time and that it's stuff that our players can grasp and, and ultimately excel in. And uh, so I think it's been, been a bit of positive from that standpoint that, okay, what do we need? How much do we need? How much defense? How much offense? You know, how much special teams do we need? How much do we want to present them with whenever it is that we have an opportunity to go back and, and begin to teach them? And so I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited about it. Um, uh, I'm just waiting to hear what what uh, what, what, what it's going to be, what it's going to look like. Kayla? Hey, Coach. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Um, my question just is concerns the draft, and obviously it's going to go on, but it's going to be very different. And just from your eyes as a coach, while you're used to doing the same things, how do you see it being different this year? I know John mentioned he doesn't even know yet if you guys are going to be able to be back in that facility. 
I just whatever the rules are, whatever they the guidelines they put in place for us. Um, you know, I'm very conscious that this you know this is a a big social event uh, for our fans, and and I know that you know our fans like everybody else, whether they're a football fan or an NFL fan or a college fan. You know, one thing's for certain, we're all, we're all living in a very uncertain time. And hopeful that we can bring them as a league a, a, a great product that's exciting, that has some fan interaction, um, to, to see the players, um, however that is going to be presented. You know, we're, we're going to pick players. All the teams are going to pick players, and everybody's going to have their guys that they like, and you know, there's going to be trades, and all that stuff's going to stay the same. But... Uh, just watching and, and seeing what happened here in Nashville on a firsthand um, basis, um, that our fans are going to miss out on that, and, and we're going to have to, as a league, uh, make make sure that you know, we do everything that we can to to give them access and excitement um, for something that, outside the regular season football games and, and playoff football games, is, is the biggest thing that we do as a league. Chris Harris? Yeah, hey, Mike. Uh, kind of piggybacking off that, how concerned are you that there may not be a season at all? Um, I, I would say that my focus right now is, is on the on the short term, Chris, and I, and I think that that's, you know, anything can happen. But you know, my focus is, is on a, a daily approach of, coaches and, and scheme and, and personnel with John in the morning and then draft conversations and, and film uh, in the afternoon. No, no different than, than what it was when we were, you know, at St. Thomas Sports Park. So that that's where my mind is right now. And I'm not going to speculate on what, what, what September is going to look like. Thank you, sir. Uh, Luke, I wanted to ask what you like about uh, this edge rush core that you guys have, Mike, because, you know, you get Correa back, you bring in Beasley and have some carryovers from last year. John was talking about how deep a group is. What what do you like about that group of edge slash outside linebackers? Well, we have some guys that have played and made plays in this league. I think there's some versatility. Um, I think we have some young guys that we wanted to work with and did work with, but um, we'll have an opportunity to continue to work with, whether that's, uh, you know, Reggie Gilbert hasn't played a whole lot of of plays for us, but certainly showed, excuse me, flashes of things that we we like. Um, You know, Roberson um, showed flashes, and then obviously – um, trying to get um, DeAndre Walker back healthy. Those are three younger bodies, you know, two guys going in their second year, one guy, you know, going into his fourth year. But then other guys that have played, you know, a lot of football for us. You know, Har- Harold's played a lot of football, and, and Kamale's played a lot of football for us. Um, you know, and we'll have to get Vic brought up to speed on uh, as soon as we can. And, and, and as always with any player, as much as they can handle, that's what we'll give them. If they can handle that and they've proved to be proficient in, in the things that we've asked them to do, uh, then we'll look to give them some more. Um, and, and then Josh Smith, uh, a guy that we signed back uh, 
um, a, a local guy that in his short time with us um, showed that that he had some of the skills needed to, to play the position and that we wanted to continue to work with him. And I also want to ask about uh, continuity on offense. You know, you, you get Tannehill back for a second year, Arthur going into his second year as a play caller. How much not only does the continuity help, but how much room, even after the success of last season, do guys like, like those two have to grow? And I'm hopeful that the whole organization continues to grow. You know, I'm, I, I can only be in charge of the, the coaching staff and, and, and getting the players prepared, but I hope that our attitude is that we're always trying to improve and, and get better, um, whether that's Terrell Lawan, Derek Henry, uh, Kevin Byard. Um, it starts with me continuing to improve as a coach. Um, our assistant coaches to, and coordinators to continue to prepare um, and, and improve. And, and then ultimately uh, the players to try to get them um, better. And so that's, that's the whole focus that we, you know, we look at the rules, we look at the guidelines, we look at what we can do, the time we have with them, the time we have in meetings, the time we have on the field, and you try to structure that uh, so that the ultimate goal is that, that we are better than what we were last year. Uh, Buck? Hey, Coach. Uh, we asked John this earlier, just kind of from a, a larger view. What's been your experience through all of the shutdowns and everything, even if it's just from the perspective of the sports world? How have you kind of gone through this whole this whole thing? Uh, you know, I get Tyler home from school. You know, I think that um, it's something that, you know, that we had to do and then, you know, try to try to get a son graduated in a senior year and try to get another son that's going through his second year at Boston college. And, um, you know, I don't want to forget Jackson, you know, Jackson's, you know, part of our family now too. So, um, I would say that it's been interesting having 19 and 18 and 18 and, and 44. It's a uh, runner year old guys running around here. It's, loud and noisy, um, but staying positive, very appreciative of everybody in the community and, and, and around our country, uh, the, the, the healthcare professionals, uh, the small business owners that, that are struggling, the, the, the local restaurants, and try to make sure that we're conscious of, of the takeout and, and, and doing those types of things and, and the people that are stocking the, the grocery stores and um, checking out our groceries. We, we, we're, we're, we, we, we have it. I try to hope that our, my, my family knows this. Like we, we live a very pampered life, you know what I mean? So we don't, uh, we're not, we're not complaining. I don't want to hear anybody complaining about anything um, because I got to work from, from my office at my house. There's a lot of people that are a lot worse off. Um, so that, that's the approach that we're taking. Thanks, Coach. Yep. Uh, Gentry? Yeah, hey, Mike. Uh, in terms of hey, preparing for the uh, – in terms of preparing for the draft and, you know, what are you missing out on when you don't have a lot of these pro days that you're able to go to and also a lot of the, you know, the face-to-face -face meetings, I guess. But 
Do you think that this could hurt some of the prospects who would normally, you know, guys who weren't at the combine who were kind of hidden gems, so to speak, you know, maybe harder to find those guys this year? Well, I think if you if you do your your due diligence and you've got a good scouting department and your and your coaches are evaluating those players that were um, non combine invites, and that maybe you can you know have a chance to to, to gain an edge, you know, on some of those teams that maybe didn't find a guy or they 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 saw something in a player from some tape that that we didn't see. Um, but I think a lot of it for me is just to get to know the player that we're bringing on. And the skill set with a lot of these guys are, are very similar. Um, and it's important that we're bringing in the right type of person to, to our team. Very conscious of that. I think that, that I'll speak for myself, but I think I have a responsibility to our players, obviously to, to our owner to Miss Amy and to our fans to bring in the right type of player into that, that team in that locker room. And I know that John would, would say the same thing and has said the same thing. Do you still feel like you're, you're going to get where you need to be with, on, on, with that for, for any guy that you do pick? Well, I mean, I think that that's the ultimate goal. That's, that's what you have to do. You know, you have FaceTime and, um, some of these guys, you know, we can we can do things on Zoom with them and talk to them and set up FaceTime interviews and, and see what these kids are doing. We could, you know, we can, you can install stuff. You can talk to them and you can try to have these virtual meetings. And that's that's where we're at. So everybody's working under the same guidelines and the same rules, and uh, we'll try to do the, the best job with with the situation that we have. David Beauclair? Yep. Hey, Mike. Is Jeffrey Simmons the guy most likely to move into Jarrell Casey's spot, and, and how capable is he of sort of minimizing the impact of Jarrell's departure, if that's the case? Well, I mean, I think that's obviously um, the transition that we hope, I and mean, that would be the plan, um, just to be able to uh, expand – Jeffrey's role moving into his second year. And we are excited that that he's feeling better, that he's doing well, and that he continues to work with with Todd um, and Frank per the NFL guidelines as it relates to, to players that are rehabbing. And that's kind of where we see you know, Jeffrey moving in that direction. So that's... Um, now that that's all going to play out once we get back here, but and those are that's a position that he knows and and rotated at and then played some at. But you know, I, I think you, you'd obviously like to have him on the field more than you'd like to have him off of it. So I'll uh, open it up for uh, questions. If anyone has any follow-up questions, I'd like hey, to Mike, follow up on the. Uh, on the Simmons question, uh, in, in your eyes, Mike, is Simmons versatile enough to play three and one technique? Yeah, I don't want to um, undermine what, what a one technique and a three technique is, but one guy is shaded on the guard and one guy is shaded on the center. So, yeah, I think that when you talk about 
you know, I, I don't think there's as many double teams as what maybe there was 10 years ago. Um, there's, they still occur with, with both the shade and three. And, and I think that he has done that. Uh, both of those guys, we, we always look at those guys. And some guys are going to have to play over the center. Some guys are going to have to kick to the guard based on their front, our front, or what their formation is or what their motion is and, and our adjustment. So you know, there'll be times where the nose may be in a three technique and, and you're wondering why and just the same way as the three te- or the tackle is going to be in the shade sometimes. So, Mike, with a shorter off season, uh, you've got some guys obviously who need to grow uh, into bigger leadership roles with some of the vacancies you have. Um, what's that process going to be like, generally speaking, and then maybe with less time? Um, I I think that the, the, I'm going to try to say like leadership, um, you know, I know that our guys are out there and they're in communication. I'm in communication with our, with our players to make sure that their health and their family's health and safety, uh, sport is at the forefront. Um, but yeah, I've thought about what maybe some of these virtual meetings would look like and would like to empower those players at that position. To, to come up with the time that they'd like to have the coach available, uh, let's say from seven in the morning till three o'clock in the afternoon. You, know, you got guys on the East Coast, you got guys on the West Coast, and would love to empower the players at that position to come up with the time that they'd like to meet. I, I, our coaches are going to be available. I'm going to be available. Uh, so that would be the first way I think, uh, Paul, is to try to empower those players at that position to. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm speculating that, that we're going to start the off-season program remotely and um, what, what that may look like. So that would be the first thing would be to, to have those players at that position um, you know, come, come up with the time that they would like to, to meet. Mike, what's your take on the uh, expanded playoffs by the league this year? Um. I'm, I'm, we're going we're gonna to try to obviously um, be one of those teams. And uh, you know, the better you are uh, determines whether you host one of those games or not, whether you get a bye. You know me, whenever they tell us to play, I'm going to play wherever that is. We're, we're going to be ready to go play, and, and we're going to try to, to play as well and as hard as we can. Anything else? Mike, uh Thanks. Oh. Mike, is your influence input with John in your in this go round more or less the same in, in terms of free agency and, and the draft? It's been, I would say, identical to whether he's walking down to my office or I'm walking up to his office. It's the same whether he calls me or I call him or he he zooms me or I zoom him or it's. I, I, I think we work well together. I think we try to, um, you know, have every, get everybody's input and then ultimately make decisions and, and try to make them uh, in the best interest of the football team. That, that, I, that I do know. Uh, sorry. Mike, Mike, you talked earlier about the, Mike, you talked earlier about the adjustment not being in the office. What, what's, your, what's it like for your family to have you home uh, more than you usually are this time of year, especially Jen. 
Uh, you can only imagine. Uh, she said she'd always dreamt about owning a bed and breakfast. And she said, I didn't know it was going to be a bread and breakfast and lunch and dinner and snacks and seven loads of laundry a day. And, um, you know, but it's good to have, you know, the one thing about this, it's been good to have Tyler back. I, I really didn't see him that much. Uh, he was supposed to have a spring game on Saturday. Talked to his coach. Uh, his coach had a Zoom last night. And it was fun to see uh, him talk to the parents. And you know, I can only imagine this is a, it's like some of these new coaches in the NFL. It's like these new coaches in college. He, he was starting his program, and he wanted to put his stamp on it. And they, they were only able to practice four times. <clears throat> and then the players, had, you know, they had to you know, send the players home for their safety and, you know, well-being. Um, so he's itching to, to, to get his program going, and he doesn't know, just like all these other uh, first-time head coaches in the NFL that are itching to get their program going and to put their stamp on it. Um, you know, it, it's uh, you feel for us. Mike, do you guys have any clarity on who will be calling the defensive plays next season yet? No, not yet. Um, you know, still, still, obviously, um, you know, processing a lot of that information and in a role that I want to play. And um, you know, I, I love our staff. I'm excited about our staff. Our conversations in the morning to get the, the playbook exactly how we want it, uh, to find out what we what we did well and, and continue to do that. And then, you know, what we needed, what we don't need, how much is too much uh, in the book. And so that's uh, that's kind of what we're doing now. And, and we'll, we'll have somebody call it. And, uh, you know, I, I just need to continue to work through that process and, and figure out you know, what my involvement um is going to be, and to, to what extent. All right, that's going to do it for us today here on the 615 Sessions, powered by Tennessee Tickets. Promo code AZ10 at checkout. They are still selling Titans single-game tickets. They have the largest Titans ticket inventory in the state. So if you want single-game tickets for the Tennessee Titans upcoming season, now would be the time Make sure you check out our friends at TennesseeTickets.com. Our thanks to John Ledyard of Pewter Report for sharing some of his draft insights with us today. Also, really appreciate John Cascarano and Jay Wilkerson of Tame the Beast for letting us know how the experience has been for a company that's in the business of making soap right now and the services that they're able to provide to make sure that people are staying safe and staying healthy and clean. That is what I would advise you to do, Nashville. I appreciate you guys so much for supporting us through all of our technical difficulties and everything that we have tried to navigate over the course of COVID-19. We're going to do this together. We've made it through another week. We have a few more to go, and we will keep you entertained in the meantime. So, that being said, stay safe, stay clean, and stay hot, Nashville. This is Buck Rising, reminding you that we will be back on Tuesday with the latest edition of the 615 Sessions podcast, powered by Tennessee Tickets, brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. <laughs>